welcome to the podcast. If I did not tell you that we had a lot of guests this week, we have a lot of guests this week. Uh, three yesterday where we got, it was revealed to me, and you know I try to be in the know with everything, we're having another Toledo night market at the Imagination Station next month. Uh, you got to pay to get in, but it's worth it because you can do some at night imagination stationing. There will be food trucks. There will be drinking. There will be vendors. So well worth. That's next month and tickets are on sale now. Uh, today's guest is somebody who I chat. I chat with her every day. Mostly for her dog. I'm kidding, Katie. Her name is Katie Shelley. Um, like a lot of people, I just cross paths with people and get to know them a little bit. Uh, Katie was at the Ability Center. You know, I'm a fan of them from meeting Jenny Barlos over there four years ago at the Heart Program. Katie uh, then segued to another job that I'll let her explain at the Art Museum. And if you didn't know, they have a really cool new exhibit called Doppelganger. And if you're into all the nerdy sci-fi stuff like I am... Uh, even though Katie didn't have the best detail in describing it, I am totally interested because it's like alternate universe stuff. Um, a couple of things that I want to get to first. Let's hop into it. I wrote myself some notes. Um, I am not going to spoil this for you, but um, I don't know how you're going to avoid it over the next two weeks. So last night, every day in my work email, I get... Uh, I was subscribed to through a service like the big pop culture stories of the day. And I get it twice a day. Last night, I read it and says, such and such is now in the such and such. And I I am not going to ruin this. I'm going to dance around this as much as I can. So I'm like, oh, okay. They'll probably be in such and such in such and such years. Well, that was not such and such the case. And I'll give you this. Variety is the one that leaked this. Um, and it's going to be very hard to avoid for the next two weeks. I'll tell you this. Um, I'm very happy with such and such, but I would have rather learned such and such at the movie. I know people have said I spoil things, but I try to limit my spoiling and you know how I, uh, how I feel about this. And I, I pretty much like this was spoiled by people who went to the premiere and this is not tomorrow night. The movie's coming out. This is not, this is two weeks from now. So like I said, I'm talking about this because it's going to be hard to avoid. Um, you know how I feel about spoilers. I'll reiterate. Um, I want to talk about certain things. If I go see a movie on Thursday night, I won't. I won't. I'll give. I'll be very general about it that night in any kind of tweet. Friday, general. But over the weekend, eh, I might want to talk about it with friends online. And if this is something to you that is so sacred and so important to you that you do not want it spoiled. I'm sorry, you have to stay off the internet, take certain keywords, block certain keywords. You've got to be disciplined and stay offline. Or if you're able to, if you're that excited for this or that passionate, okay, go and work a little bleary-eyed the next morning. Go on a Thursday night. Like, get to it. Put it in your schedule. Um, But don't rob other people who have already had the opportunity and the passion and the willingness to go see something from talking about it in a community online because you're addicted to the internet um, and maybe even it's a part of your work, there are still ways to filter out things you don't want to see. Don't don't take away some of our fun because we made the time to go see it. And I know I'm going to get some backlash from that. 
Uh, there's an incredible Halloween display not far from where I'm sitting. 1700 Wildwood. Nicole Bowen has a, a massive, extravagant Halloween display. Um, it also, it's gotten so big now where she has a QR code where you can scan it and donate to St. Jude's for childhood cancer. That story was one done by Heather Poloff at 13 ABC. So Heather, thanks for doing the story on Nicole and her great thing in the community. It's right off of... Um, Detroit and Glendale. The Glass City River Wall is going to get some national attention Sunday morning. It will be uh, be on CBS News Sunday morning program because it's almost finished. So hopefully now people will recognize us for more than mud hens, Jeep, Glass, Libby, Pacos. Also the Glass City River Wall mural. I want to see if I saved this photo on my phone and I have some puppy photo pictures coming to you. Stand by. Um, Before we get to Katie here in just a moment, there was a story in the Blade today, uh, the Blade News Slide, which I read every day. They don't pay me to say that, but I want to support the best local journalism that we have and the writers doing that work. 49 people became American citizens yesterday here in Toledo. I believe it happened in the library. They came from countries all over the world, some that you can't pronounce or can't find on a map. 49 people became citizens in Toledo ceremony, and I think that's incredible. I wholeheartedly welcome them here to Toledo. I know that there are countless other places they they could have had this opportunity. Um, I am always welcoming of people from other countries who come from places where they cannot have there what they can have here. And that's kind of the crux of the quote. And you know me, I am ultra literal. Um, there's a quote from one of the people. Um, in America, anything is possible. Well, that's kind of why we got into the in, into the turmoil that we're in. Because my parents, when they were growing up in the 50s and 60s, it was the, the American dream. And whatever the hell entailed that. And now that doesn't really exist anymore for a variety of things. But as literal as I am, and while I'll raise an eyebrow to, in America, anything is possible. Because we know, literally speaking, it's not. I mean, a lot of things are possible, but not anything. But from where these people are very likely coming from, um, to their definition of anything is possible. So I welcome you here. Let me know if I can take you to any places. You can go to all the tourist spots. Then I'll take you to my joints. But um, truly, welcome to Toledo. I'm glad that you decided to become citizens in what is really a great American city. It's not Chicago. It's not Detroit. It's not Philadelphia, LA, Dallas, whatever. But it's a damn good city. And I'm proud to be here. I am very proud and happy to have on from the Toledo Museum of Art. This will be the first of two guests from there this week. Katie Shelley. And if you listen closely, Petunia. She'll explain who that is. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? I don't know. Can I? I don't know. Can you? Yes. <laughs> Good. Okay. Um, do you, uh, tell me your setup. Do you have, uh, like, head? Yeah, just explain your setup to me. Um, so I have earbuds plugged into my phone. That, that is my setup. Perfect. And where are you? I am in my office at the Toledo Museum of Art. Hmm. Awesome. Well, I am recording. Welcome to the podcast. Is it all that you hoped and wished it would be? I think so. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I, at first, I didn't know if you were asking me that question or if you were actually like 
welcoming people to the podcast. No, so, yeah, no, I, no, forget that. Um, forget. That. I mean, you you're, you listen to the podcast, right? <laughs> yes. So I'm welcoming you. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Uh, what What are you excited uh, about to be here? I mean, just to talk. I mean, okay. what do you want me to talk about? I was thinking about that. Uh, I have several things that I'd like to discuss. I actually think the first thing is, um, do you have any questions that I should ask Rhonda on Friday? Because, like, I, you know, I usually go directly to people and and can work out an agreement that way. Like, this went through PR and then, a, and like, an internal PR person. Then Rhonda hopped on. And I was like, oh, bigwig now. Um how should I go about the interview with her? Because she's a, as they would say, a big get. Yes, she is. She is known as a legend in the Toledo area, so I'm very honored to be working with her here at the museum. Um, so let's see, what should you ask Rhonda? I'm going to ask. Well, I would, ask, I would ask her, you know, why she's excited about John Legend being here, because I think we've heard through the press release and, you know, heard her talk about why this is important to the Toledo, you know, Museum of Art and the communities that we serve and, you know, helping create a sense of belonging for, you know, underprivileged youth and the frontline workers. But I would love to hear kind of why she is excited and what she thinks John Legend can bring to the table. It's, uh, yeah, that was the first question. I think it was Nancy who asked me for, like, some sample questions. Yeah. And that's the first one, like, well, actually, how did this all come about? And I'm sure we'll spend a lot mm-hmm. of time talking about that. Tell me, um, I have one in my back pocket that I think will wow her. Um, so I eventually stumbled onto her on Instagram not that long ago because we just had so many similar friends. It looks like she's trying mm-hmm. to raise a bunch of money for the Arts Commission this month. And I'm going to ask yeah. her if she can talk a bit about that because I'm mm-hmm. sure she's just expecting to come on to talk museum stuff. And I'm going to hit her with that and go, let's, let's hit that goal. Yeah, no, so I believe she is the president-elect of the Arts Commission board, and so she is raising some money for the Arts Commission. I think she would love that, because I think she would love a platform to explain, you know, the work that they're doing at the Arts Commission and how that ties into, you know, the advocacy work and the sense of belonging that she's trying to create in the Toledo community. Um, it sounds like uh, you're on a boat right now. How Are you out? It sounds windy. Do you have a window open or something? Let me hold on. <laughs> I had a fan going. That That's might have been the, the problem. This is much better. Right? I know you said <laughs> okay. your office, but I figured you might be on a boat sailing the mommy or something. I mean, you never know. But no, yeah, I, the temperature in my office fluctuates on a daily basis. So I was freezing this morning and, and now it's getting really warm in here. So I had a fan going, but I, I turned it off. So I, I will be uncomfortable for the purposes of this podcast. It's fine. I'll keep <laughs> I'll keep the uh, the poignancy of the questions at a temperate level, so you don't begin to sweat or anything. But thank you, thank I, you. I feel you. Two weeks ago, when people came back to our offices and studios here, I basically mm-hmm. was able to control the temperature, and the HVAC system here sucks. Um, and now there's kind of like a fight over the thermostat and it's not even intentional. Just like one studio at 68 is scalding hot and another one is Arctic. And I was actually thinking today, like, what should I wear to work? Because I don't know what the temperature will be. So I can completely sympathize with you and um, 
the temperature issues you have. Yes. Yeah, and I'm in an inside office, so there are no windows, and it's just, yeah, it's kind of like a little cave. Um, it's... <laughs> what's So what is your position, which is now, it's a new job. You've been there how long? And we'll, we'll work from the beginning, we'll work from the end to the beginning. Um, what's okay. your title? So my title is Manager of Access Initiatives at the Toledo Museum of Art. What what accesses and initiatives do you manage? Like, what does that mean? Put that in layman's terms if you can. So, yeah, of course. So this position, um, so for right now, I'm just managing myself and kind of managing um, access process, access processes. That's, a, wow, that's a lot of S's. Um, just, you know, different aspects of access throughout the museum. And what that means is, okay, so I'm a person with a disability. And I am a wheelchair user. And access is something that's always been important to me and increasing access for the greatest amount of people possible, you know, making sure that everybody, you know, can enjoy the museum is important to me. So this position, which was created in conjunction with the Ability Center of Greater Toledo, was created. um, Are you nervous right now? Slightly. You sound very <laughs> nervous. Very, I'm cal- sorry. Calm down. Where's Where's Petunia? Is she nearby? She's, she's sleeping. Of course she is. Now you really need her. Like if you can like yeah. kick her under the desk or something and pet her. Because I'm it, not going to kick my dog. Well, uh, like just a gentle tap and go, girl. I need you right now. And we'll we'll get to to the Petunia part of this. But I can hear the nervousness. But so just relax. Okay. It's all good. Okay. Uh-huh. I'm making this podcast accessible to you. As nervous as you are. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, so this... let me let me, no, let no, no. me breathe and try okay. again. Okay. So the Manager of Access Initiatives position, which was created in conjunction with the Ability Center of Greater Toledo, really combines the museum's vision of cultivating a culture of belonging here at the museum, as well as the Ability Center's vision to have Toledo be the most disability-friendly community in the country. So we want the Toledo Museum of Art to be exemplary when it comes to being accessible to everyone that comes through our doors. Whether it's physical accessibility, like me being a person in a wheelchair, being able to physically access the museum, but also thinking about sensory accessibility. For example, if people who are blind or low vision are, if they're not able to view the artwork that we have here at the museum, how else can we provide access for them so that they can enjoy the museum? Can we provide audio tours? Can we help with label accessibility so that those who are low vision are able to read the labels? Can we make the text bigger? Is the museum friendly for those with sensory processing disorders, those who are on the autism spectrum? How can we create an environment that works well for everyone. Um, you answered one of my questions, and we can chat about this a little bit, because I was thinking, you said uh, people with senses, and I'm thinking someone who, who might be blind, and it popped into my head, and maybe others, like, well, if you're blind, why are you going to a museum? When you answered the question, you can still enjoy it by having some type of, like, you can have someone narrate what they would be at least looking at standing in front of, and there's there's mm-hmm. something that that person can take away from that. Exactly. And we actually do have, and this was a program that was implemented well before I ever started here, but you know, it's something that I would love to build upon is we have touch tours here at the museum. So for those who are blind or low vision, they actually go through the museum 
with a docent who is one of the people that guides people on tours and they can actually um they have to wear gloves of course but there's actually different artworks uh-oh katie i lost you did Ka- oh. i lost you. you're back hi welcome back hi thank you did you put your phone right, on so- do not disturb yes i did okay you're still nervous it's okay I'm not. Okay. Are you I'm better, saying? I swear. Okay. All right. All right. So the docent, which I just learned what that was like two weeks ago. I just called them like uh, ushers or people that walk you around the museum. Yeah. Either way, that works too. Okay. But um, so th- they go around with the docent and they can actually, as long as they're wearing gloves, can touch the artwork um, and really get a tactile sense for you know what the piece of art is like. Even though they can't see it, they can feel it and experience it in another way. I when you first got this job and we we got friendly and chatty, I just envisioned you uh, going around the the museum. Um, Incredibles, you saw Incredibles, right? Yeah. Okay. the The no capes lady. Mm-hmm. I envisioned you going around <laughs> uh, the museum, and saying, looking at things, going not accessible. We will make so, it accessible. So you're, you're, you're saying I'm Edna Mode. Yes, yes, yes. A little bit. A little bit. I mean, that, that, and, and if someone, <laughs> if someone's like, wow, she's really kind of witchy, you'd be like, this is what you brought me here for. We're going to make this accessible. <laughs> so you're saying I'm a witch? No, 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 not at all. Again, this is, this is all how I envision things. And sometimes, okay. while I try not to be too hyperbolic, I can't stop my imagination from doing that. And I just see you and Petunia wheeling around the museum, mm-hmm. looking at things with like like the white glove going, not accessible. Not accessible. That's that's going to be my new catchphrase. Not ac- I love it. And then you hand that list over to Adam and, he, and then he has like 15 hours to make it accessible or you make him shave his beard. Unfortunately, I don't think that's how it works, but I wish it was. Well, okay, then in, in a reality then, um, it <laughs> seems like the museum is are already pretty accessible. What are some, some spots where you're like, I'd like to, Adam, I'd like to work on this or whoever you have to answer to and go, here's how I think we can improve this for someone who might... Uh, be saddled with this, that, or something else. Right. So uh, the museum, it is generally pretty accessible. It complies with the Americans with Disabilities Act. But one thing I always like to say about the Americans with Disabilities Act is, first of all, it was passed 31 years ago. So there's no reason for any building not to be in compliance with the Americans with Disabilities Act. But also, it's the bare minimum. It's the minimum standards of what is required by the law in order to basically not get sued for being inaccessible. Right. And it's probably um, written by people who don't live that life, right? I mean, there. so people with disabilities and advocates with disabilities were definitely consulted in writing the Americans with Disabilities Act. But, you know, generally, yeah, and it, it was written 30 years ago. So, of course, there have been updates, but there's still a lot that needs to be taken into consideration and updated, you know, for today's world. And Mm -hmm. so that sensory accessibility piece is something that I'm particularly focused on for the new exhibition that we have at the museum here, Doppelganger. Yeah. Uh, It's it's really cool if you Sci-fi stuff? Kind of nerdy? Yes, very. I really, really love it. Could you explain it a little bit? Yeah. So... And I'm going to explain it horribly. Because it's fine. It's fine. I, but it's basically a piece that kind of envisions the ramifications of, you know, 
traveling to an alternate universe or becoming a duplicate of oneself in an alternate universe and how someone navigates an alternate universe. It's so this astronaut travels to an alternate dimension and it's planet of the apes kind of (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so it's like this in one version like this astronaut travels to one dimension and then in the second half of the piece you see that the alternate dimension version of the astronaut travels to the dimension that the original astronaut came from so it's 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 very very sci-fi very trippy but very very cool but I was able to, unfortunately, um, given the fact that they were already well into the planning stages of this piece, and they were trying to get captions on this piece, but the way the piece is projected, it actually can be shown on both sides of the screen. So if there were captions on the piece, on one side of the screen, the captions would be backwards. So we wanted to make sure that you know, even if people weren't able to hear the piece, that there's still some way for them to access the story and kind of have a sense of what's going on. So we have a transcript that people can either scan a QR code on the outside of the exhibit and pull up the transcript on their phone that way, or we also do have iPads that people can borrow with the transcript already uploaded. And that way, if they need the transcript or they would like to view the transcript along with viewing the piece, they are able to do so. Awesome. Actually, it sounds like you're, you're not going to have much work to do there at all. It sounds like the museum is very accessible. There's still work to do. <laughs> so, you know, and so again, talking about, you know, making sure that the labels are accessible to those who are blind or low vision, um, ensuring that there's increased access for those with physical disabilities. I don't know if you've ever seen the entrance to the museum off of Monroe Street, but there are stairs. Yes. So one of my ultimate goals would be to make that Monroe Street entrance accessible to those with physical disabilities. I love that. Because right now, if, yeah, because if right now, if someone wanted to go out of the main building on the museum's campus and go across the street to the glass pavilion, they have to go all the way around if they're in a wheelchair or they're using some sort of mobility assistive device. The easiest and quickest way to get there would be to go out those Monroe Street doors, go down the front steps and cross the street that way. So instead of having to make people with disabilities go all the way around the building, I would love, especially myself included, um, I would love if people could be able to go down those front steps and cross Monroe Street to get to the Glass Pavilion and be able to access that. I like it. I wish you luck in that endeavor. Thank you. Um, I mentioned Petunia earlier. Can you uh, tell everyone who is not as fortunate as I am um, who Petunia is? Yeah, of course. So Petunia is my service dog. She is a service dog from the Ability Center's Assistance Dogs Program. She is a black Labrador retriever, love of my life. Um, but no, she is fantastic. Um, she's my first assistance dog. I received her four years ago. She's six years old now. She went through two years of training before I ever got to meet her. And 
She's fantastic. I mean, you've seen pictures, Eric. She's beautiful. She's gorgeous. Uh, she does have her own Instagram. She does. Okay. So if anybody wants to look her up on Instagram, it's at Petunia the Service Dog. Another dog. Another dog page to to follow. How yes. how does how does she help you? So she one of the main tasks that she does for me because. Uh, due to a back surgery um, that I had, I'm unable to bend over and pick things up off of the ground, which can make things difficult because I'm constantly dropping things. So one of the... I'm sorry? I laughed. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say uh, that I'm clumsy or klutzy, and maybe you just did well, say that, that. that too. Yeah, no, I mean, that too, definitely. But yeah, no, I'm constantly dropping things. So one of the main things that she does for me and this seems really small but she picks things up for me which is really a lifesaver especially when we're out in public because before petunia i would have to like stop and ask random passer by random passers by to help me pick something that i dropped off of the ground and it can be kind of nerve-wracking when sure. you don't know somebody and you're just like, hey, so i dropped my glove can you help me pick that up please so now i can just be like petunia take it and she takes it and she gives it back to me but also she does perform tasks like she'll help me grab my shoes in the morning um she helps me get ready but also she provides some emotional support too she's definitely a great confidant and she definitely helped me get through the pandemic for sure sure um and she's she's an exceptional service dog and kind of like an okay companion right she (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with sleeping on, in your bed in your spot and uh, doing normal dog yeah. things like napping under your desk. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, but she's expected to nap under my desk. I'd much rather her nap while she's at work and I don't need her than have her running about my office. Right, right. And I say that totally... in the garbage. And I say that totally tongue-in-cheek because I know that she has done some <laughs> like normal dog things that some people might not expect a very disciplined service dog to do, but she, at the end of oh, the yeah. day, she's still a dog. She is still very, very much a dog. <laughs> and she's beautiful, yeah. too. Thank uh, you. Yeah, so she... She, she's the biggest dog I think I've ever had. So I, when I grow up, grew up, like most of the dogs that my family had were medium-sized dogs. And I think we talked about this briefly. She can counter-surf. So what that means is, um, and our friend Jenny Bartlow fully disclosed this, like, not long after I met Petunia. She can, you know, put her front, she's tall enough that she can put her front paws up on kitchen counters and things and check out to see kind of what food is up there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, just like a normal dog or just like yeah. any dog. <laughs> yeah. um, and I know from being close to the Ability Center, mostly Jenny, having met her through the HARP program four years ago, um, mm-hmm. cr- please correct me if I'm wrong, um, to train a dog like that, it costs like $25,000, right? Yeah, it's, it's expensive. Yeah, it, this is not a treat... Uh, balls and and other things. This is some serious training, and I know that I was trying to help uh, Mallory get them some fosters for the puppies that they have, and uh, some other places are having an issue finding fosters now, but the Ability Center um, needs some people that might be more engaged than a typical foster to get these puppies, puppy, everybody, we all love puppies, out to, to some of their training because they're doing really, really important work for, like, you and others. Yeah, definitely. Can I ask... So- so I- I thought about this today, and this was super morbid. Um, oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I know. It's it's like the, look, we all have these thoughts. Yeah. Do, dogs don't live as long as we do. 
What happens no. when Petunia goes to the Rainbow Bridge? Do you work with another service dog or might not you need one? Because, I mean, again, that's it's more than just me losing Diddy or Andre. Like, you're losing, like, a life partner in many ways. Right. So, so yes, I try not to think about that, but the <laughs> thought has crossed my mind. Thanks, Eric. Sorry, sorry, no, sorry. Actually, I was talking about, no, I actually was talking about this with my bus driver this morning. So, it's actually kind of funny that you brought it up, too, because she was talking about having to put her dog down, which was really sad. But, anyway, um, so, it, when Petunia crosses the Rainbow Bridge, which hopefully won't be for a while yet but even before she crosses the rainbow bridge you know sometimes especially when service dogs get to be a little older around 10 or 11 they kind of get to the point and you can tell where they just aren't as enthusiastic about working Mm. and doing their job anymore so oftentimes before even the rainbow bridge comes into play service dogs get to retire got it so when service dogs retire you can, you know, keep them on just as a family dog and, you know, just chill at your house like a normal dog. And ideally, you get put on the waiting list for a new dog. Um, if a new dog is something, if you want to continue having a service dog, you would get put on a waiting list and you would get priority on the waiting list since you already had a service dog. And then they would, the assistance dogs team would work to place you with a new service dog. Got it. Um, how does someone go about connecting with the Ability Center to find out whether or not they can get a, uh, a service dog? So I would definitely, the contact would be Jenny Barlos, um, but the Ability Center's phone number is um, 419-885-5733. So if you call them and ask about the assistance dogs program or say you would like to have some more information about either getting an assistance dog or also how you could help because like you said they do need volunteers they would connect you with the person to talk to which more than likely would be jenny if you're interested in receiving a dog is it a a long wait or does that depend on how many service dogs they might have available how do they match you like is it a person is it like a dating thing is it like tinder for service dogs that would be really interesting <laughs> if there was like an app for service dogs. But um, so, and again, I went through this process four years ago and I'm sure it's changed a little bit since I went through it, but they do try to match you. Um, they have you fill out kind of like a, per- yeah, like a dating site, like See? a personality profile. Yeah. So like a personality profile to get like a sense of your personality, but also what you would need the service dog to do for you, kind of what tasks you would need and then kind of take all of that information and you know based on the dogs that they have available and again it does depend on the number of dogs they have available where the dogs are in their training it can take anywhere from two years roughly to five years I mean usually it's on the lower side of that thing they, it's usually about two years on average, but it really just depends on your needs, what they have available, and if they have a dog that matches what you need. Got it. Um, and through this process, the dog is free? So, again, and I don't have the updated information because I know it has changed since I got Petunia, but... At the time 
that I got Petunia, it was um, the individual has to pay 10% of the training cost. So for me, it was around $2,000, but there are, you know, ways to fundraise for that as well. But got it. Again, that has changed and I don't know how it's changed. So please do not take my word for it, but roughly there is a cost. What are, what are your pet names for her? Oh, goodness. There's way too many. So um, the most common one, and there's kind of a funny story behind this. So Petunia, as part of her training to become a service dog, was part of a training program um, with the Lucas County Correction Center, which unfortunately they don't work with them any longer, but they do still have a prison program. But uh, um, so Petunia was with her prisoner in the correctional facility. And the prisoner wasn't the biggest fan of the name Petunia. So he was trying to think of, you know, a cooler name because Petunia kind of sounded flowery, girly. Um, so he came up with Toonie. So Toonie is the nickname that is used most often and that I will use most often but I like it I like it and um, yeah I uh I thought I mean, tuna yeah <laughs> tuna fish tune yeah it's funny how the pet names transform into something else yeah what are her favorite foods <laughs> anything if it's <laughs> edible <laughs> okay um, you leave this on the counter wander away what food would disappear the quickest um, butter. She likes butter? Yeah, it's really weird, but yeah, that has happened before. I've left like a, my butter tray on the counter, and all of a sudden I come back and there's no butter. Um, she also likes yogurt okay. and bananas. <laughs> Do you give her those as like treats? No, she's literally gotten into yogurt and bananas. I mean, I have given her banana as a treat because that is a healthy food, but... um. That's that. That is something that she has counter or dumpster dived for before. It's very. Uh, it's so <laughs> paradoxical. Like you've got this strictly regimented service dog, um, but like I always, I always like that you can't run from your DNA. If that that butter's on the counter, you're not picking anything up. Mm-hmm. You're just the human's gone. I'm going for it. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, she is, and she is a very well-trained and regimented service dog, like you said, but she definitely has her personality quirks, and I love them. I love her for it, because she's also definitely the most social service dog I think anyone will ever meet. If you ever get a chance to meet her, Eric, she's very upset. I'll be there. I'll it. be there. Relax. <laughs> but, um, no, but if, you know, she just loves to meet new people, so I, you know, it always depends on the person and what the person needs the dog to do for them. But I always, you know, say that as long as you ask, I'm more than willing to let people, you know, pet Petunia and say hello because she just loves that attention. She thrives, you know, when she's getting attention from other people and she loves to say hello. And she's, she's my little social butterfly. She's much more of an extrovert than I am. 
I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I guess it's person by person, but I learned at some point when you see a service dog, as much as like our first reaction as dog lovers is to pet the dog, it's always that dog is working. So I guess it's best to always ask, right? Yes. And yes, that is I, my go-to is always ask because again, you don't know what the person needs the dog to be doing or how much the dog needs to be focusing in any given moment. For example, if it's a guide dog for someone who is blind or low vision and they need that dog to be on point constantly so that they can guide them through a space, then yeah, you're probably not going to want to pet that dog. Right. You're petting the dog and the person walks into traffic. Look what you did. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, which I have heard of, not (laughs) not traffic, thankfully, but like, you know, I have heard of, you know, guide dogs getting distracted and then that can lead to potential injury for the person that they're with. Um, Did you listen to the podcast on Friday with Rachel from the homelessness board? Yes, I did. Um, She, you you heard her, she said she called me out, but I was, I was happy that she brought it up and I wanted to bring this stuff up with you. Like, how do we refer to people with this? Like, I, I, like you listen to the podcast. Like I try to like mutter my way through things because I don't know what does and doesn't offend anybody anymore. And Rachel said it's person first. And you said it earlier in the podcast, a person who uses a wheelchair. Um, like, and my, my hesitancy is across the board. Like, I don't know if we use disabled, handicapped, like I, like I said, I literally try to mutter my way through, through these things because you know, you know me a little bit. Like I have no ill intent. I'm not trying to, and, and I also am incredible. Like you cannot offend me. Like if you want to call me, like if you want to say that I'm bipolar, that's fine. It's going to roll off my back. Um, but somebody else who really struggles with that and maybe cares a lot more, like you could really cripple that person. So what do you suggest? Wait, did you just say cripple that person? Is that a bad word too? Yes. Well, look, my anxiety <laughs> has crippled me before. No, I mean, and no, no, that I totally. But and I, I was, I, yeah. I wasn't using it as a noun. I was using it as a, no. as a verb. Um. So, so okay. So let, let's have the language talk for a okay, second. Yes. So, again, so yes, person first. You know, across the board, especially for you as someone in the media, is the go-to. Now, of course, everybody is going to have their personal preferences. Um, so for me personally, you know, I use person-first language, especially when I'm talking in my professional capacity, but I often will refer to myself as a disabled person, um, you know, but that's my comfort level, like you said. You know, not everybody's comfortable, you know, being labeled as disabled. Um, you know, they don't want their disability to be seen as defining who they are. They're a person first, and their disability is part of that. But then there's identity first language. So saying, I am disabled, where you see your disability as kind of in tandem with your identity. You know, it's kind of what makes you who you are. You know, I have this disability, and Therefore, I'm disabled, and that's great. Um, And again, so crippled, and again, I understand that you were using it as a verb rather than a noun. Um, And again, 
if we're just talking about comfort level, there are some people who will refer to themselves as such. I, I've never felt comfortable with that, so I will never refer to myself that way. But then there are also people who don't even like it when you use that kind of language, even in a verb form. So there are other ways to, you know, express that feeling. So I'm trying to think of an example, and of course I'm coming up short, but instead of saying, you know, I was crippled by my anxiety, or I even I was paralyzed by fear, you know, I was really oh, you faded scared, out. or my anxiety was at oh. peak levels. Like, there are other ways of going about saying that without including ableist language. Hmm. I, like, I just see them all, all as synonymous, and the hardest things are, like, to predict what words might upset another person, and that's why, like, I always, right. I always well, go and, back to, like, right. you, you got to read the intent in, in situations. Exactly. exactly. Especially, especially and, and, with strangers. And I, yeah, no, and I completely agree with that. And another point I wanted to bring up just really briefly. Yeah. And this is something that, as a child of the 90s, I still struggle <laughs> with, too. Um, but, you know, but like, handicapped. Like, right. that word is generally not used to, or generally not welcome in the disability community to refer to people with disabilities. But you still hear it a lot like, oh, I parked in the handicapped parking spot. Oh, I went to the handicapped accessible stall in the bathroom. So, you know, it's something that I still struggle with because, you know, I, I heard that all the time when I was growing up. Oh, yeah, you're the handicapped girl. Oh, yeah, you know, we parked in the handicapped parking space. But I try to kind of tweak it. So especially if we're talking about accessibility, I parked in the accessible parking space. I used the accessible stall in the restroom. I get it. Just little changes like that. Um, it's a challenge. It's a challenge, especially yeah. when that sign is ubiquitous wherever you go. And right. I think we've taken, I think like back then there used to be text on there and now it's and just... And there still is on certain like parking signs. It, there's still certain signs that say handicap parking it literally right. says it on the sign it's my eccentric way of going about it um and i don't i don't ever have to i don't often have to bring this up but like we're all disabled in some way we all have some type of handicap but because of what you just illustrated um there's more things that people focus on like look i am mentally disabled in some ways that prevents me from doing certain things um we all just like just like you know i got years ago got into the cliche of everybody's got something we're all disabled in some way there is no perfect human being out there so while you use a wheelchair um, I am unable to do certain things mentally. Like I, I, I would kill, you know, this, I would kill myself. I would have killed myself or at least made an attempt if I didn't find the right medication. It, Cause my anxiety mm-hmm. would have, I would have been exasperated with the paralysis. My anxiety brought me and it would have made me end my life. So that is a, that is my impairment and whatever word you want to use, obviously it, it doesn't bug me, but I obviously can't speak about it the way you can, but I can remind people, you ain't perfect either, Stephanie. (laughs) 
not, I, yeah. I just pulled that name out of the air. There's not a Stephanie. I was going to say, I was like, there's not someone Stephanie? here named Stephanie. No, 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 no. Okay. I was like, Sorry. So, well, good. We checked all the boxes that I wanted to talk about. Um, what, is there anything you want to talk about? Anything we didn't get to? I mean, Petunia got her love. We got some art museum stuff. You got me prepped for Rhonda. Um, you explained language stuff, which was, which was extremely helpful. What else? Oh, let's What do you see. do for fun? Like, besides this pet Petunia not do anything like me. Well, I mean, pet Petunia is obviously the number right. one thing to do for fun. And... Of course, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, so things are kind of, you know, weird. But, um, you know, if, if it, you know, if it were non-pandemic times, you know, I, and even during the pandemic, if possible, I love, you know, going out with friends. I love, like, random trivia, so I love, like, bar trivia, really into, like, the pop culture trivia. But then... Oh, cut out. You'll be back in a second, though, I think. Are you back? There you are. Hi. Okay. Back. Hi. What was the last thing I said? Uh, I heard random pop culture trivia. Yes. So, I mean, I, I love like. Oh, you're messing up again. Hello? Hi, you're back. Sorry. Hi. Sorry. The we... Wi-Fi is cutting out. I apologize. Uh, no, it's okay. We can't get this thought out. So, random pop culture trivia and then. And then, you know, obviously like going out with friends, going to see movies, but then I'm also. I'm a very extroverted introvert, but I'm still an introvert at heart. So, I mean, I love just like, you know, sitting at home, watching movies, watching Netflix, um, you know, just reading books. I wanted to be a librarian, so books were kind of my thing. Um, I, I found the word several years ago, ambivert, little extrovert, little introvert. Ah. But again, just how certain words bother me uh there are words that like i'll throw out like that and like i don't know words, words these days everybody's got something like i've really become very happy to stumble across something a few weeks ago like just let people do things like as long as like you're not stabbing babies or anything like you can like whatever the hell you like and say whatever words you want to say right i mean i think you're right and that i think it really just depends on your intent and you know like what you, you the meaning behind the words right so you know and or you know the intent of you know your actions they always say actions speak louder than words and i think sometimes that is definitely true that like you know if you're showing someone that you are a good person i mean obviously try to think about what you're saying before you say it but if you say the wrong thing you know don't sweat about it too much as long the- as your actions can back up what you're saying. This is why we we complete. This is why we completely removed the R word because it was never not used maliciously right. after a certain point in time. Um, right. That's why, like, handicapped, disabled, like everything that you said, um, those aren't as malicious as the R word had come to become. That you know, I watched be erased from vernacular, and rightly so because it was used in an evil way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. what, uh, what are your best, like, areas of pop culture trivia? Music, TV, sports? So, full disclosure, like, when I was, like, in junior high, high school, I discovered the beauty that is IMDB. Okay. So, the internet movie database, for those who are not familiar. Um, but, like, movie trivia is my jam. Like, I, I know random things about... Movies that most people my age 
I've never heard of. So I'm also an old soul. So I, I love some old classic Hollywood, you know, and love to find out more about, you know, movies, but, you know, even TV, but definitely movie trivia for sure. And music. So you're uh, you're at the bar trivia. You're at home watching Jeopardy, and blank movie category comes up, and you lose your mind. What fills in that blank? Ooh, that's a hmm. I'm sorry, I did promise no hard questions, and here we are. Yeah, you did, and that that is a tough one. Oh, um, like if I get Star if Star Trek trivia pops up, Star Trek movie trivia pops up on Jeopardy, mm -hmm. it's like everybody can just put their buzzers down for me. Okay, yeah. So definitely not for me, unfortunately. Right. I mean, I, that, that's okay, though. Um, like I'll Lord of the Rings? The uh, 80s movie? Um, so so I, it's going to be like, and, and please do not judge me for this, but, you know, I, I, I'm going to be a diehard Austenite until I die. But, like, you know, like either like Jane Austen adaptations or like historical romance, like, okay. th that would be my jam. But then also, like, 1980s 1990s rom-coms mm. so <laughs> mm, i will never be on your couch with netflix never <laughs> hey that's not the only thing i watch i, I okay all right fair enough <laughs> i um, just got finished watching squid game like fine what did you think I, it's fascinating like i don't know i almost have to go back and rewatch it because you know it's it's intense it's a thinker I really, I enjoyed it. I have to get to it. I just have kept putting it off and some of my fall TV shows have come back. I've got to get to it. And I was the one that I think stumbled onto it before everybody was memes, this and all this, that, because mm -hmm. I saw that it was, I read that it was horrifically violent. I was like, you sign me up. Um, yeah, no, so, so definitely. I mean, if you can take the violence and the gore, I think it's really interesting you know, like commentary on like capitalist society and like dystopian, like I think somebody said it was like the cross between like K dramas and the Hunger Games, like yeah, you know, or like Parasite and the Hunger Games, like it's really interesting. It's interesting uh, you say Parasite because there was a movie that I watched after that. Don't know if it was on Netflix or Prime, and maybe this is part of the reason why I haven't done. Squid Games, yeah. Because, like, if I see something and it's already the concept has already been explained to me, I typically don't go to the next part of it. Like, I got it. This is the peak of how that's going to be. And I forget what it was called. But it might have been called Layers or Levels. And it was all these people in a prison. And the prison was, like, 150 levels. And at the top of the level started this massive feast like a giant i don't know 12 by 12 table um with tons of food so the people mm -hmm. at the and it, and it was timed and it was there for like five minutes and you couldn't take any of the food like to eat there was the only meal you got all day long in this empty room you lived in and after the five minutes the food went down to the next level so it mm -hmm. too was um, symbolic of capitalism and how the people at the top get the most and the people at the very right. bottom are like licking bones. Very fascinating stuff. Also very almost literal Hunger Games. Yes. -esque. Yes. But I'm into so, those. So, yeah. So um, Squid Game, not quite like that. More of a, you know, fight to the death until there's only a few left. I'm good with death. Part of the Hunger Games, but... <laughs> 
Okay. Um, um, since yeah. you tell me that it's a bit of a thinker, I'll I'll move it up the list maybe tomorrow. Um, but I will I will get to it. Um, there's one more thing I wanted to ask you, and I can't remember what it was. Do you have any final thoughts as we wrap up this lovely podcast? And I thank you for being on. And I do apologize for not coming over a couple weeks ago. No, you're you're totally fine. But you you do deserve, or rather, Petunia deserves to you know have a visit. So I'll, when I'll, you're free, I'll bring a banana. Say hi. So, um, but no, but thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I also just wanted to say that I really do appreciate your mental health advocacy as well as someone who struggles with mental health myself it you know kind of hearing what you have to say and like hearing you talk so openly and honestly about your struggles has really been helpful so i I just want to say that i really appreciate it and thank you well of course um it's either that transformers or dogs and the dogs only are the only thing other thing that relate and i know it helps people um and that's another thing if people are still here listening to the podcast they never know how long people make it through the <laughs> podcast but that's another thing that I think people should recognize with people who have disabilities um mm-hmm. there is probably and you can give me a number maybe you actually know the number people with various kinds of disabilities um think about me I I don't really I don't have any um, right. but people who I do have a, the mental health issues, but people who have physical impairments, disabilities, whatever the loss of senses must have an incredible amount of mental health issues. So that's interesting. And I don't have a number um, off the top of my head, but you know, I was thinking about that the other night and I was thinking, you know, even if I didn't have my disability and of course my disability, there are certain aspects, you know, of my disability that impact day-to-day life, and those struggles do affect my mental health, but I'm also someone that deals with depression and anxiety, and those are two separate things. My disability does not cause my depression and anxiety, but rather, you know, there are elements of my disability that might exacerbate some of the feelings of depression and feelings of anxiety, but even if I didn't have cerebral palsy, which is my primary disability, I would still probably have depression and anxiety. So kind of, you know, it's been interesting because I've been kind of going on a journey, kind of figuring that out and trying to kind of come to terms with that, that, you know, even though I have a disability, that's not what is making me depressed. Right. You know, there are elements, like I said, that you know, struggles that I face on a daily basis, like not being able to pick things up off the ground and having to have someone like Petunia to do it for me. But my disability isn't causing my depression and anxiety, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, we could do another like half hour on, on this because it's fascinating to <laughs> me because yeah. it's it's got to be murky and I would love to yeah. know the number of and I, I'm so glad that you can delineate that the disability is not causing the depression. You would still have that because that's just how your brain is and, and whatnot. Right. Um, and I'd be curious to know how many people who are born with some type of disability, it mm-hmm. causes their depression. And it may not because early on in their life, they're able to more able, able come to ably come to grips with it as opposed to somebody who like veterans, um, mm-hmm. who perhaps lose a limb or something else, or maybe not even a veteran, just some horrific ac- accident or a terrible disease robs them of something at an early point in life. Perhaps those people 
are far more depressed because they had lived life one way, then they will now have to live it another way. Although these words, I think the words do mean something and people maybe, I'd like to talk to people who maybe understand this. Um, Human beings often give, we don't give ourselves enough credit. Like right now, if I, I could sit here and go, if I lost my leg, I would be, it would be bad. It would be very ugly, the places my mind would go. But we find a way to move on. We, mm-hmm. we come to grips with it. We, whatever the ailment is, because, I mean, age is going to get all of us in one way or another. And right. as we get older, we're going to lose certain abilities. And yet yeah. somehow, somehow, some way, we, like I said, we don't, give you, we don't give ourselves enough credit to move on past the circumstances right. or challenges that, that life deals us. Yeah, I mean, and so, and I know we probably have lost a couple of people. On That's the fine. It's just point, me and you but, talking now. <laughs> Um, but, you know, it, about one in four people in the United States has some type of disability. So about 25% of everybody in the United States. And that's just self-reported. So there are probably even more people out there that have a disability, but there's such a stigma surrounding disability still that people don't want to say, yes, I have a disability. So about one in four people in the United States have a disability. And the disability community is the only minority group that anyone can enter at any time. And so one thing as disability advocates, we're trying to ha- you know, see if we can get people more comfortable with is it's okay you know, if you are born with a disability or if you acquire a disability because more than likely you or someone you know will probably acquire a disability throughout their lifetime, either due to aging or something else. Um, But, you know, it's okay. And that's why we're trying to make places more accessible and coming up with more accessible and adaptive technology so that people are not rendered disabled by the world around them. We're just different. Oh, go ahead. Right, we're we're just we're just different. I mean, that's the D word to use. Uh, and and you're right. As we make accessibility more widespread, we our our brains think differently than they are now in the way they were, and we just go, okay, that person is different. They get around a little differently than I do. They don't see the world like I do, or whatever it may be. We're just different, and probably in the 24th century, maybe we'll reach that panacea. <laughs> but thanks for doing all the work yeah. to get us there now. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, thank you for the conversation. I have lots thank of questions you. that uh, we can do for the next podcast. I was going to say, we're going to have to have a part two where we discuss some of this more in depth. Absolutely. And if it makes you feel any better, you're, you're much less nervous and anxious now than you were 40 minutes ago. You were a yeah, sweating, messy a wreck. I, I, well, no, actually, now I'm a sweaty wreck because you I told made you to turn the fan off. off. All right. But... <laughs> But no, I just, you know, again, anxiety. I get in my head and then I get talking and then I forget to breathe and then it sounds like I'm nervous and then I, I get know. nervous and yeah. <laughs> so I give you all the props in the world for being able to, you know, do this on a daily basis. But, but it doesn't... thank you for making me feel more comfortable and for the conversation. Of course. I, 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 if I could, if I had a superpower, 
Well, if I had several superpowers, I want Wolverine's claws and his ability to heal. But if I had another superpower, if I had three superpower wishes, I would give my power to be able to speak so candidly and transparently to others so that they could help themselves, whether they think the world looks at them weird because they have a physical disability or a mental disability and they're afraid mm-hmm. of the stigma. Like, I wish I could push that to others um, with how easily it comes to me because people, mm-hmm. you've seen me say it, people are telling, like, you're so brave. I'm like, no, I'm really not. <laughs> like, no. bravery, bravery would be me getting on top of the building for the over-the-edge victory center thing. Me telling you that, like, I've wanted to kill myself thousands of times is not bravery. It's easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people say the same thing to me, and it's like, dude, I'm just living my life. Right. Like, I'm just going through my day. Like, right. Thank you. Like, again, I appreciate the intent behind your words, but really, no. Yeah, now get I, out of my I, way. <laughs> now get out of my way before my, my dog mauls you because you have a banana in your hand or butter. <laughs> no, I would probably run them over before my dog would ever maul anybody, let's be honest. But. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, all right, good to chat, and uh, we'll do this again, and sometime soon I'll get over to see you. Didn't you say you had something? No, we were going to try to connect. You said your schedule opened up, but it didn't fit with mine. Yes, that's right. Okay. Yeah, we'll make it work. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I'll get this all taken care of. We'll get it posted real soon, and I will, uh, I'll message you on the internet soon. All right, sounds good. All right, bye, Katie. Bye, Eric.